Hello, everybody, and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell, and that is Kurt Souter, and he's with Further Still Ministries, and we do this show called Solid Steps Radio, and we did it with men in mind. We know we have a lot of ladies who listen, and that's great, but we wanted to talk to guys and say, guys, there's more to life than sports, weather, and politics. It's okay to talk about those things. I like those things, but we need to talk about the things of eternity, and we believe here at Solid Steps you are not walking in your destiny as a man or woman if you are not walking with the person of Jesus Christ. Now, that being said, today we're talking about a topic uh, that most people will go, what does that have to do with me? Well, when you start hearing the story that God, the author, wrote in our guest's live, lives, then you're going to hear, yeah, God can always do a work in somebody's life no matter when and no matter where. So um, a couple months ago, I, was, um, I took a mission trip to the Dominican Republic, and there was a little spot. We were on this big building in the middle of, of this, uh, uh, this city in, in, or this spot in Dominican, and they said, you see that spot right there over top those roofs? He goes, that's called Little Haiti. And they go, we want to stay away from that area. You know, and I kind of knew a little bit about, okay, why? But they said, that's a rough area. And now here is a Little Haiti area in a totally different country that they said, that's kind of a rough area. So today, we're not going to talk about Little Haiti. We're going to talk about Big Haiti, <laughs> the actual country. And we're going to talk about a man who lived there for decades and what he saw and what he experienced God do in that place. So it is a great honor to welcome David Hetty Sr. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you. And uh, you brought somebody with you. <clears throat> I did. The chauffeur. I brought my one and only son. <laughs> <laughs> David Hetty Jr., and uh, it is great to have you back, brother. Thanks. You, you, Glad you, to be here. You've been on the show before, but uh, David, I have been wanting to have you on. And every time we're ready to do it, you're either going back to Haiti, or you, you know, had some health issues, or we just. Uh, and so it it is a blast to have you here, and uh, it was an honor and a privilege to be in Haiti with you and Judy, your your beloved wife. You've been married how long now? 62 years. I think you're going to make it. I think so. <laughs> I married the most beautiful woman in the world. She's the love of my life. And it's been 53 years, the best of her life, right? Those 62 yes. years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, well, David, I, we want to hear your story. So um, let's, let's start from the very beginning. You did not grow up in a Christian home. Is that right? I did not. And uh, tell us about that just a little bit. I can never remember a day in my life. Because I, I I was raised up in a very dysfunctional home, uh, very abusive. I don't remember a day of my life that I wasn't beaten. And finally, at the age of 16, I decided I've had enough beatings and enough abuse. No telling how many times I ran away from home in between. But at 16 years old, I ran away from home for my last time. I've never set foot or slept a night in my parents' home since then. But uh, <clears throat> my grandfather, praise God, a godly grandfather and grandmother took me in. And I lived with them for four years. I, I found somebody in my life at the age of 18 uh, that uh, caught my eye. <clears throat> and I told my boss the next day, I said, uh, that, that girl right there is going to make somebody a good wife. And she has. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you were how you were eighteen at the time. I was eighteen at the time. So you, you uh, really tough, oh, tough, tough, extremely growing, tough, tough growing up. Yes. And 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 then 
you know, God, God wasn't a part of your life. That's that's right. That's right. And but you married Judy. Uh, now, now you met her when you were eighteen. How long did it take you to ask her to marry you? Uh, probably a year, and in two years we were married and uh, starting our family. You were off and running. Off and running. Then, then uh, you you uh, you were doing what kind of work were you doing? Electrical work. I I've been in electrical ever. Well, when I first got out of high school in 1958, the day I got out, I went to work for a, a startup company and running heavy equipment. <clears throat> and the guy looked at me and he said, "How can a kid like punk kid like you <laughs> uh, know anything about heavy equipment?" I said, "Show me where the key is and I'll run it for you." And I, I run every piece of equipment he had, from rollers to pavers to front-end loaders. Uh, and uh, I, he liked me so well, he'd work me 16 hours a day. I'll never forget. Now, you've got to think, this is back in the 60s. I'll never forget uh, bringing home a check, and my granddad seeing it, he said, Son, take some of that money back to them. There's no man worth that kind of money. <laughs> because, you know, they paid 3 to $5 a day to work on the farm. I started out making $3.37 an hour and uh, <clears throat> and then working all that overtime, too. So I had a humongous check, and he he just thought it was it was totally unfair for anybody to be getting paid that kind of— no man was worth that kind of money. That's what he told me. Uh, Chad, you, are you, you're happy with $3.50 an hour, wouldn't you? <laughs> I would take that more than $3 a day. <laughs> David, tell us, and then you started—you uh, you did— Started some business. Well, that was later on. Uh, <clears throat> for 15 years, I worked for other people uh, in the electrical trades. Started out as a lineman. Decided that's that was <laughs> that wasn't going to last very long. So uh, I went back to school. Uh, and uh, at night, for four years, and got my journeyman's electrician license, and immediately went and took the test and got my master's license, which allowed me to go in business. You can't be in the electrical contracting business in the state of Kentucky without your journal, without your master's license. So I got those master's license and uh, started up my own business, and I was off and running. You were off and running. Now, <clears throat> the Lord's not a part of your life. No, absolutely not. You see, all those years that I was being abused and lived in that abusive home and all, we went to church every Sunday. And so as far as I was concerned, you and everybody else that went to church was a hypocrite. And I wanted nothing to do with you. And uh, when I moved in with my grandmother, I continued to go to church with her on Sunday mornings. And uh, <clears throat> when we married, this is something everybody needs to hear. When we married, I told my wife, I'm going to make a covenant with you right now. When we have children in our marriage family, then you can take those children to church, but don't ever expect me to go with you. And I kept that covenant promise to her for 18 years. And then what happened? And then what happened? <laughs> and then what happened? <laughs> Your wife was praying. How long had Judy, was she, was she praying for you? Well, she said she was, but <laughs> later on in the story, you'll see, I don't know whether God answers those prayers before you become a child of his or not. Have you ever figured that out? Uh, that's uh, that, that's a mystery, and that's being the mystery room when we get that's to heaven. That's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> at that time in my life, and uh, 
when I, I kept that promise to her for those 18 years. And finally, one Sunday, she come. We were already in business, had been in business. Uh, we went in business in 73, and this was about 75. Uh, the business exploded. You did. You uh, you've did already heard. Well. You've already heard about the how I love to fish. Well, when I was working, the last job I worked on was a big powerhouse job, and I was the last man that got laid off because I was a superintendent over all electricians on that job. At one time, we had fourteen, four hundred on there, and uh, <clears throat> so I was working around the clock practically, and I decided, hey, uh, when I get off, <laughs> this job finishes up, I don't want to leave home, so I'm going to take a few days off. And I took my few days off, and I went to the lake and went fishing by myself. And uh, <clears throat> I kind of put some things together, and I thought, work is tough in our area, and so if I'm going to be able to stay at home with my family, I'm going to have to do something different. And I came back and looked Judy in the eye, and I said, I've, I've made a decision. I'd like for you to be a part of it. I, we're going in business. I said, we are going in business. And... Uh, we went down and bought an $875 old telephone uh, <laughs> uh, utility bed truck. And I thought, well, I'll do nothing but service work, do things that I can take care of myself. I don't want any employees or any of that. Well, make a long story short, in uh, six months, I had to hire my first employee. And I think at one time we, we had 50 people on our payroll over the with the two corporations we had we had brightway electric and brightway sign company two i owned one she owned the other <laughs> you want <laughs> that's a long and, story and, and you were in business together but the lord was still not a part of your your life he was not in 1977 we're going to take a break oh guys i want to hear it 1977 i was come back with that. i was four years old so we're going to keep that in mind i don't remember what happened in 77 so you need to tell me so we're going to take a break and you're probably listening to that story say man i want to hear this guy talk for days i could listen to him talk and tell his story but the story's not over yet because god has not entered the picture or at least we think god has not entered the picture that's right god is always in the picture so we're going to take a break and hear more about how david went from starting his own business and how in the world does a guy who started up a business is successful end up in one of the poorest countries in the world well you'll hear more about that here on solid steps radio ellen and credit union has been around the louisville kentuckiana area for decades they can help you with every financial need that you have whether it's personal commercial you need a home loan car loan ellen and credit union can take care of you and all of your financial needs Vision First Eye Care, they have 11 different cities, six Louisville locations alone. And if you need contacts, glasses, or just your overall eye health, Vision First Eye Care will take care of you. You are more than just a set of eyeballs. You are a person at Vision First. Bright Star Home Care, if you have someone that you love and care for that needs in-home care, whether they need one visit a week or they need 24-7 care, Bright Star Home Care is your very first contact to start that process and find out what's best for you and your loved one. So in our last segment, we were talking about uh, a, a life that started off rough, but then all of a sudden we're on the upswing. In 1977, that's a good year. I was four years old back then. <laughs> so David, I, I mean, tough upbringing, but... Business-wise, God had blessed the socks off of you. You got two businesses. You, you said in the break, you, your wife was driving a Cadillac. You were driving a, a 
a brand new Mark, m- Mark uh, whatever, five, yep. a Mark Five. You got a brand new bass boat. Uh, David is uh, riding saddlebred horses. Is that right? Horse. Yep. Saddlebred horses. Um, what else you got? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> we we had a, we had a, a four bedroom home, three uh, two and a half bath. Uh, on three acres, we lived out in the country. By our clo- uh, closest neighbor was a half mile away. But what made that? Uh, <clears throat> you see, what I haven't said was, in all that abusive life, we were raised up in poverty. I remember clearly. Remember, one year for Christmas, getting a pair of socks. So I had nothing always, and I, I looked at at other kids in school with everything. Their parents bring them to school in a car. I walked over a mile down a dirt road, not a gravel road, to catch the school bus every day that that I went to school. My father didn't care whether I went to school or didn't go to school. I remember several times that truant officer come out and said, Mr. Hetty, why isn't your son in school? I need him to work here on the farm. Well, that didn't go over too well. <laughs> so, so that drove you? It did. It drove me to think even back then you know i thought whenever i i'm out on my own i'm gonna pull myself up by my bootstraps and i'm gonna make something out of myself in my lifetime i'm not gonna live in this poverty and all this that i was going through and uh so back to our story of 1977 uh the business had already become very successful and uh in a very short time which blew a lot of people's minds that how uh, uh, nobody like me could all at once pull himself up and off we go. So uh, it uh, we had I had a desk, a huge desk, and my desk began to pile up every day. There was things that I hadn't taken care of. I was working six days a week, 18 hours a day. Uh, my, my theory was uh, if I could make a dollar for somebody else, I could make one for my, uh, two for myself, and I put one in the can and set on the can. And uh, that's that's the way uh, I, I looked at life. That's what I was going to do. And uh, as this load began to pile up, and uh, I could have hired other people, plenty of money to do it with, but I was going to keep all that money for myself. So my wife uh, came in from church one Sunday. She was faithful in keeping our children in church and uh every sunday but they was in a kind of a semi-revival and she was like one thirty, two o'clock when she come home at sunday and uh she said what in the world have you been doing and i didn't know it but she said my face was chalky white and out of my mouth came these words and where they came from i don't know i've been praying but what i had really been doing was considering taking my life and getting out of this world because I had plenty of insurance on me to put the kids through school. She'd live good the rest of her life. They didn't have to worry about that business and all of that. I'd, I'd already checked out, and they were well off. And uh, I was going to be too because it, it became insurmountable for me, the workload and six days a week and 18 hours a day. That's about all a man can stand. I'd get four hours of sleep a night. And I, I couldn't take any more than that. I knew I couldn't. I'd done push myself to the limits. And uh, she said, what have you been doing? I said, I've been praying. So the kids came in the door about that time, and she, they said, what's wrong, Daddy? So Daddy must have been white, <laughs> <laughs> chalk white. 
And they, she just ushered them on down the hallway to their bedrooms, and she came out and fixed our lunch. And about 4 o'clock, she looked at me, and she said, uh, you want to go to a crusade with us tonight? I said, uh, crusade? What's a crusade? I was serious as anybody could be serious. I had not a clue what it was. And she said, we've, we've invited a, a, an evangelist from Texas uh, named James Robinson. There's 52 Southern Baptist churches here in Owensboro that's all come together, and we're going to have a week-long crusade. And I said, sounds like it's got something to do with church, and I don't want nothing to do with it. And uh, so they go on that Sunday night. They go to the crusade. Monday, about 4 o'clock, here she comes again. Going to crusade with us tonight? Nope. Tuesday night, going to crusade with us tonight? Nope. Wednesday night, I thought, you know what? She's never nagged me about this church thing. Uh, maybe I better consider just tricking her. <laughs> so I, I, I put it in my mind, and I got my clothes and everything, and I got all ready to go. But what I didn't know was you had to get there an hour and a half early because the state fire marshal had closed the door to the sports center because it was an overflow crowd. And so... Sure enough, I got ready. Y'all not going to believe this story, but for the first time in my life, remember I said I'd been in church all my life, but for the first time in my life, on that Thursday night, I heard that I had a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that there was a hell, there was a heaven, and I had to make a choice. That, that old long Texan, James Robinson, he's got a finger about a mile long. And every time he'd make a point, and I was sitting way up there in the balcony, and little did I know, but she had all of her church people around me. Of course, I know now they're praying for me. <laughs> but every point he'd make, you're going to hell, and he'd throw that finger right up in my face. <laughs> and I'd tremble. That's about, you know. So we go home that night. I did not sleep one wink of those four hours. <laughs> I was supposed to get some sleep. And all night that message went over and over and over in my spirit, my mind. Uh, I was bound for hell. They, they wasn't a, anybody that was a worse sinner than I was. So I went back to the crusade. On Friday? On Friday night. And on Friday night at 9.15 on April 22nd, 1977 I stood by feet I come off that bleacher and raised up and I believe at that very moment I was gloriously saved yes I went all the way down front and prayed the prayer with and was counseled by a pastor and all but I surrendered my will to God's will back up on that balcony and I began to weep and for the next three days I wept and wept and I don't think there's a thing in the world but God purging the sin out of old selfish David Hetty, who'd lived all these years for himself. I want to tell you all to, today that all things passed away and all things became new. Second Corinthians five seventeen. I had a brand new life. I had peace that I didn't never under, had never understood. I had joy that I'd never understood. I knew where I was going to, at that very at, at that early time, I knew I was going to spend eternity in heaven. Have I failed since then? Time, many times over. But I can tell you, wouldn't I, I would not take one hour of one day without knowing that Christ is my Lord and my Savior. 
you were blind as all get out, and then all of a sudden, the, it was like the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road. All of a sudden, you could see. All at once, I was blind, but now I see. But Paul said to his young son, Timothy, you know, <clears throat> Timothy, I'm the chief among all sinners. Well, I've told my testimony hundreds of times. I was Paul's number one assistant. <laughs> <laughs> You were the second chiefest of all sinners. That's right. And and, and so, uh, when when that happened, what was the response of Judy and the kids? Well, <clears throat> Judy was kind of all, but she didn't say a thing about, you know, she'd been in church all of her life and and took our children to church. So who's going to doubt her salvation? But she started doubting it that very day. She said, she saw something in me that she didn't have. Hmm. And she's told that many times. I knew he had something I didn't have. And two years later, at a little country church in Stanley, Kentucky, we had an evangelist friend there. And the service was over. He'd give the invitation. And she said, I'm lost. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a break. I hate to take a break. We're going to take a break. I'll be back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. Podloo.com. That's the Louisville Podcast Studios. If you want to do a professional sounding podcast or video cast, you want to look and sound great, Louisville Podcast Studios is your contact. Go to podloo.com. That's P O D L O U.com. We also want to thank Frank Enterprises. They are a professional septic tank landscaping wastewater management company. If you've got water outside of your home and it's not going where it's supposed to go, whether it's drainage or septic tank issues, Frank Enterprises has years of experience and they will take care of you where you need it. Dan Hart Financial, if you want to retire or want to talk about retirement, whether you're a year away or 20 years away, Dan Hart can sit down, come up with your plan that you uh, need to have or Talk about your plan that you have in place and see if it's a good fit. Dan Hart Financial. So if you're just kept picking up with this, this segment, well, you missed the first two segments. You need to go back in here. But uh, we, uh, we've been hearing David Hetty's senior story about going from one place to another. Let's just say that as far as where running from God and then all of a sudden taking a big about face and running to God. I mean, you were so anti-church, anti-religion, anti-the Lord God, and then God miraculously saves you. And Judy, you, you mentioned that she actually was a part of church, but really uh, got saved um, two years later? Two years later. Two years later. I'll never forget it because she said... Uh, we was we were in this revival. They'd already give the invitation. Most of the people had left, and she was sitting there in a pew, weeping. And being a good husband, I picked my handkerchief up out of my back pocket and handed it to her. <laughs> Not didn't ask her a thing. And the evangelist came back, and he knew her well, and said, "Judy, is there something I can help you with?" And you could heard her scream, "I'm lost," <laughs> across the block, and. Uh, she said, I can't, I can't go on living this life any longer. I've got to give my life to Christ tonight. Mm. And she did. Fully and, and holy. And now from a, <laughs> a, from a son's perspective, because David Hetty Jr. is sitting right next to me, what, what was going through your mind and what did you see happen? 
so I'm in middle school, you know, and I'm used to the dad that smoked four packs of cigarettes. I made Jack Daniel and Coke for him and, you know, living that lifestyle. And when he got saved, he immediately stopped all that. And so, like, I'm like, who is this? And we all realized he had something we didn't. You know, we'd been going to church, but we didn't have that relationship that, that he had. David, you said in the break you lost, what, 90% of your vocabulary? I did. I did. <laughs> I mean, God just, uh, he turned you upside down. How Truly, old, old things passed away. My life became a new, as he just said, a new person, a new life. How old were you when this happened? 37 years old. So you're 37 years old, and and what what we want to hear next is God didn't just save you so that you would one day go to heaven. God had redeemed you for a purpose. Well, he put a hunger in my heart for his word. I, I mean, I couldn't get enough of it. I'd, uh, I can't tell you how many nights that I would, I'd sleep an hour or two and get up and go in there and get in the living room and take my Bible and lay on the living room floor to keep from waking everybody else up and, and get in that word. Well, somehow God just always would take scripture and break me. And I just, I just weep, you know, when, and and as and as time moved on a couple of years and I really uh, I, I hungered more for it, but I began to read things like, "Hey, will you are you willing to leave your mother and father?" I knew that God wanted something out of me besides running those businesses, as successful as they were. Uh, I just knew God that wasn't it for my life, and. Uh, <clears throat> God, as God spoke and said, uh, will you leave mother and father? Will you leave your children? And on, what about all those employees you got? And I, and I, I would give all uh, segments of that to the Lord as I'd pray through. I'd say, okay, Lord, that's your problem. You take care of that problem. But I, I got down to my children, and that was a different story. And I struggled with leaving my children for a year. I just, I, for some reason, I just could not get in my spirit that God was big enough to take care of them, and I was going to leave them over here. And, and, and I knew, here, here's the final, ultimate question that God asked me. Are you willing to lay down your life for the cause of Christ? And when I answered to the affirmative, then I got a piece about leaving my kids behind, my mother and father, business, all that. I knew God had it in his hands, and he was going to take care of it. And he did. We sold that business. Now, now, before you sold the business, yes, you 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 made a trip to Haiti. I did. Um, you were by yourself, is that right? No, I went with uh, I went with another. Well, I mean, Judy wasn't couple. with me. No, Judy was not with me. And and then you had you, you had that trip, and then you came back, mm -hmm. and then you went again. Right. And then what happened? Well, the first trip back. I, I said to Judy at midnight in, in Nashville, Tennessee, in the airport, I said, uh, you need to go back to Haiti with me. And she looked me straight in the eye and pointed her finger at me, and she said, David Hetty, God needs good Christian businessmen, and you need to stay here and run these businesses. Because I'd left both of them with her <laughs> for a week. And she had it up to here, and she said, God needs good Christian businessmen. And uh, I thought, oh, me, we've got a mountain to climb, Lord. <laughs> How are we going to get out of this one? 
because I knew there was a, there was a tug at my heart the very first trip I went to Haiti. I, I, I said to Judy yesterday, I can still see the two pictures that I believe God finalized in his call on my life. And that was a, a mountain pathway going up the mountain as far as I could see was donkeys and people. And I remember what God said to me. That's my creation. I love them as much as I love you or anybody else. And the other one I saw was two children, yeah, three children in a in a mud hole with a black pig. And you can imagine those kids look like they look like the black pig. <laughs> and and I and naked and I thought poverty, 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 poverty. How can people live like this? Uh, we have no idea. Most Americans have zero idea about what how the rest of the world lives. Even today, even today, with all of our travel, we have little. We haven't gone there and lived until you go there and and lay your life down and live there as a foreigner. Go to to an impoverished country. You see, Haiti is not a third world country. It's considered a fifth world country. I was having lunch one day with a, a group of missiologists, and uh, that that question came up, and they said there's two fifth world countries in the world, Haiti one, and and uh, West Africa. I can't think of it right now. That was number two uh, of being the most impoverished country, and they said they're fifth world countries. And they said, well, what do we do with fifth world countries? This one guy said, we cement them over. There's no hope. And when I think about the condition of Haiti today, I wonder. Uh, I, I thought from the day I went there and I preached it from the pulpit time and time again, if you don't place your hope and trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have no hope in this country. I don't care if you can get a job, which most of them don't have. At that time, 70% unemployment, no jobs. And if they did, it was $2 a day. And... Uh, we, we just cannot believe what, how people live in in a country, particularly like Haiti. That is so close to us. But I want to go back to how eventually God was calling you to go down there full-time. Take Judy with you. Yes. And you're going to leave your kids. How tough hard, decision. It was a tough decision. And, David, how old were you at the time? So I'm in my senior year of high school. And, so, your, and your dad's going to, and mom and, was going to leave you? And so they sent me down halfway through my senior year in high school and said, uh, God's called us to Haiti. And I said, well, how do you know he hadn't called you to Tahiti or Hawaii? <laughs> you know, you haven't been there. You know, like, <laughs> you pick Haiti. You know, and, and this is a guy who says he would have signed a KKK membership in front of him before he got saved. Mm. And you don't think God doesn't have a sense of humor to call him to I mean, Haiti. You, I, I heard your, your, your wife, Judy, say you were extremely prejudiced. Oh, extremely and it's amazing how God calls you to a black nation. An all-black nation. All-black nation. And when I got off the airport, my second trip there with her, I got off the airport, and it was the time when we were moving there to stay. And I looked up into that sea of black people on top of that airport, and I hit my knees, hit that concrete pavement, and I wept like a baby. Mm. And I, I knew this was it. I've surrendered, and and this is this is God's call. This is God's call. You you were finishing up, David, um, about how he was prejudiced, so prejudiced. Oh yeah. And, and then and but but you're 17 years old, and he and mom 
are going to leave you. Yeah, they were gracious enough to say, you can come go with us or we'll keep the house and you can stay here. Well, I voted to keep the house and the dog and stayed in Owensboro. But, you know, we knew that was God's call, you know. Well, we're going to take a break. And unfortunately, we only got one more segment. We got a lot to fit in. So we're going to take a break and be back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. Hadley Sign Solutions. If your business needs new signage, owner Chris Hadley has 35 years experience in design, manufacturing, and installation of commercial exterior electrical signage to help promote your business in Kentucky and Southern Indiana. They also provide sign and parking lot lighting maintenance. If you're looking for a sign for a new business, looking to have a sign service, or just needing to update an old sign, then give Hadley Sign Solutions a call at 502-419-7228. Or you can email Chris at HadleySignSolutions at gmail.com or visit HadleySignSolutions.com. Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. Dr. Eric Veal has been a sponsor of our show since the beginning. If you need your teeth cleaned, overall dental health, Dr. Eric Veal can take care of you. He's got two locations in the Louisville area one in Iroquois Park area, and then the other in eastern Jefferson County. That's Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. Veritech Generator. If you have a business or home that needs a generator, or you have a generator that needs servicing, Veritech Generator can take care of you. Next time that storm comes in, you have a lot of confidence knowing that you are covered with Veritech Generators. So we're back in our fourth and final segment, and uh, boy, if you haven't heard this first three, you need to go back, go to uh, SoundCloud or iTunes or Facebook, and just type in Solid Steps Radio, and you can click here all this, thanks to our great sponsors. So David, you got saved, you're down, you're, you're headed to Haiti, you're saying bye to your kids, David's a senior in high school, see you son, you can come with us, but you decided not to, David Jr., and you get down there, and God used all your experience in the electrician world and in the business world and you you stayed in Haiti how long 34 years 34 years and what did you do down there I I, I just want our listeners to understand the breadth well I thought I went down there to share the gospel but I found out there was needs that if people were going to come to Christ through the gospel, but how am I going to take care of that empty stomach and all the turmoil and all that's going on in other people's lives? So <clears throat> I began to, to pray and ask God, what can I do? What's the greatest need in this country? Of all things he said to me, it's water. And I, I, I mean, I remember clearly saying, Lord, water. He said, water. You're giving living water. I want to give them some water for their stomach that will become living water because you're giving it. Because he said, if anybody will give a cool cup of water in my name. Mm. And so I, I, I paused and took a couple of months to get my breath and said, Lord, you're going to have to show me. I've never drilled wells. I don't know a thing about drilling water wells. So I went to a well driller, and he said, oh, yeah, you can do it. So we'll go find you an old rig. You well, <clears throat> we looked and we looked and we finally found one. He says it's gonna be fourteen thousand dollars, but I ended up buying it for two thousand seven hundred and seventy-six dollars. <laughs> and 
it's a, it's a long, too long a story to tell on this <laughs> segment. Of, but uh, <clears throat> God took that water drilling rig, and 34, uh, no, it, wasn't, it was about 25 years later, <clears throat> I had drilled 400 wells. Each well provides water for up to 1,500 people a day. And uh, we'd put them in villages. Some of the villages, we've got 8, 10, 12, depending on the size of the village, we've got 8 or 10, 12 uh, uh, water wells in there. But they had no water. And that was, and that was your methodology to provide clean water. That's right. So that you could explain the gospel to That's them. That's right. Because we never, we never went out and even looked at a well site without praying. Guess who I had to go to get permission for to drill a well in the village? I had to get the voodoo priest. And I'd have to walk through town, and I'd have to get a crowd of people, and I'd have to tell that crowd of people, hey, we want to drill a well here, but it's for the public. It's for this community. It's not for anybody to make money off of. It's, this is a public community well. And if y'all agree to that and give me a piece of property to, uh, land to put it on i'll drill you a water well won't guarantee you get water that's up to god but i'll i'll do my part for it wow and uh <clears throat> we uh but every day we'd go to to start the rig up not only we prayed that day with all it and the voodoo priest and every morning we'd set the rig up to start drilling we'd pray all my had three well drillers with me and we'd pray they we'd get around the the well hold hands and pray every night when we left we gathered around the, the drilling hole and prayed and when we got with water we, we had a time of rejoicing and <laughs> hallelujah and the people would jump up and down and shout and when we put that well put the pump on the on the well you you've never seen so many people in your life gather around and the the laughter and the joy they had in their heart because they were not going to have to walk eight ten miles like a lot of them are doing and they had water in right there next to their homes. And uh, <clears throat> it was an incredible sight to see and be a part of. Not only did we give them that water, but uh, we had a senior citizens feeding program that uh, we, in, my wife said, I just want to start out with two. And I said, okay, I agreed to two, four, and next thing I know, she's up to 50-something, and I said, that's it. We can't raise any more money to feed <laughs> senior citizens. She'd bring them there every Monday to our gate. We'd have another prayer meeting and uh, <clears throat> give them dry food, and they'd take it home and cook it, and they'd be back next Monday. So that was a repetitive thing. You did. Uh, talk about the burn center quickly. They, we had a burn center, only burn center in Haiti for years and years, and probably still is, a specialized burn center because children were being burned or adults were being burnt on motorcycle, uh, hot exhaust pipes. Children would get burned because mama left a four-year-old watching a two-year-old, and she left the food cooking on the ground with an open fire, and uh, the child would stumble into it or they'd pick it up and try to carry it or something and uh, you can't imagine the thousands of children that we treated for burns you also had um crusades you planted churches planted, you, i uh, mean you you god has used you you know i talked about working six days a week uh 18 hours a day when i got to haiti i worked seven days a week 
18 hours a day. <laughs> My life has been made up of about four hours of sleep. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so it's, uh, it, was, it was an incredible, incredible door that God opened. And uh, I wouldn't take anything in the world for the, the blessing that he gave me of walking through it and sharing the gospel around the world. You, God, I'm convinced that God has got, when we go to heaven, there's there's going to be special rooms for certain people, and you're going to be in one in that special room mm. as God has used you. And um, I just want to thank you, thank you for your faithfulness and for your example, and um, how you and Judy have modeled for decades um, the glory of Jesus and His kingdom. Amen. So and, I got a, uh, I got a quick question. So how did you? The, dark, the spiritual darkness that Haiti is known for, you mentioned the voodoo. How did you go up against that? How did you approach that in living there 30 years? We had to pray through it. Yeah. Just, my life was a constant prayer. And <clears throat> the first thing I asked for every morning when I'd get up and start praying, God, give me wisdom and discernment for this day. Mm-hmm. Because you need wisdom because Satan's throwing obstacles in your pathway all day long mm-hmm. and you you've got to know have the wisdom of god to work through those things i i've had i can't tell you how many times i had i had uh voodoo priests come and and say i want you to come to my temple i want to show you something <clears throat> and i'd go and they'd have a white doll inside their little temple they called it and they'd have my name on there pastor david they always call me david mm-hmm. and and they'd have pins in it where they had uh, the times that they came and saw me either drilling a well or came by my house and and tried to put a curse on me to kill me. Mm. More times than I can get out. Well, you're still here. I'm still here. (laughs) If God is for us, who can be against us? That's right. David, um, thanks so much for coming. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for your faithfulness. And your son is a dear friend and... uh, uh, he as well an example and and was on has done how many trips to haiti have you been on i mean 15 20 <laughs> yeah god has used you big time to take numerous people down to haiti and introduce the work down there but um gosh we're out of time would you david would you just pray for us guys sure. that we would follow the lord god as he leads us amen Father, we just thank you again for these moments that we can share together. And, Father, I just ask you right now, Lord, that you speak to the hearts of every listener out there, men and women, Lord, and know that uh, there's a God who loves them and a God who has something for them to do in life. And, God, I pray that they'll have spiritual ears to hear you and what you want them to do. In Jesus' name, and amen. Amen. And we said, we said, go ahead. I said, do a 30-second prayer. He was right on the money. So this guy right here is an obedient man. He follows the Lord and does everything I want to ask him. Folks, I could sit here and do four more shows oh, with Mr. Hetty. And uh, we may have another couple of shows now that we say that. But we just, I'm so thankful for him. And guys, if you listen, remember, this was from a man at 37 years old who started to follow Jesus. And he had decades that God used him. I don't care what age you are. Today's the day of salvation. Choose Jesus and start following him. Thanks for listening to Solid Steps Radio.